Season 3, Episode 8, Avoid Temptation. Sorry, I forgot what episode I was on. Um, so, I came across a phrase, sentence, motivational um, motivational quote that I wanted to share. And it is, and I'm sorry, I just, you hear me, I'm still stuffy. I am on day 14 of of a good old-fashioned cold. Remember those? A viral cold um, that has just um, put me uh, in a weakened state. I mean, oh my gosh, I didn't know the body could produce so much snot. So (laughs) it's been so fun. It's been really enjoyable. But you know what I came out of it with is the fact that it's very encouraging. My body can still, still heal from something like this, despite what it's already been through. Um, it has been, uh, it's been fun to say the least. Um, I, but I still have a little stuffy, at least the coughing has stopped. So that's, thank, praise God for that. Um, it's funny cause I just got some really good blood results that, you know, my blood counts are almost back to everything in normal. I am like 50 points from one, and these are something that's, you know, measured in the hundreds. And I'm 50 little points from being away from everything being exactly where it needs to be, which is amazing. Because at one point, when I was looking at my blood results, everything was in the red. Now everything's in the green, but one, and that's a really good thing. So me seeing that going, I'm Superman. Awesome. I can fight off any you know, any illness that comes my way. Yeah, my I am human. My remembered that I am frail and my body has been through quite a bit. So I tend to um, get things a little easier and they tend to hit me a little harder. And that's okay. You know, I, the fact that it healed was awesome. I wasn't real thrilled about the two weeks of it, but whatever. Anyway, back to the quote that I came across. And it says, it is so much harder to get out of the pit of self-pity than to keep a safe distance from it. I'm reading it one more time. It is so much harder to get out of the pit of self-pity than it is to keep a safe distance from it. I would say that we know our triggers. We know what makes us feel sorry for ourselves. Like, I can remember my older son, who, when things didn't go his way, or things happened, he would slump his shoulders and stick out his bottom lip and look down and go into that self-pity world. I, even prior to diagnosis, have my triggers of when I want to, when I feel sorry for myself looking around and being, well, I can't do what they can do. I used to be when I was younger, it was my height. I'm only five feet tall. Actually, I'm five and three quarters of an inch. So I like to round up and say five one, but as I'm getting older, that number is going down. If I could just stay above five, I'd feel good. But, uh, excuse me. You know, I'd feel sorry because I, you know, I've, I have lived my life climbing things 
always. In fact, I just saw a, um, a meme about, and it's got a girl, like, scaling the shelves of a grocery store, trying to reach to something that they've put on the top shelf. And I was laughing because I'm like, yep, that's my world. That's it. I can't tell you how many times I've done that. And I will look, I'm shameless. I will look around for somebody that's tall. They'll be like, hey, can you give me one of those, please? With that, because I have this fear that like one time I'm going to climb up there and the whole shelf is going to come down and crash. So, um, but it's a short world. You know, I live, I am short. I live in a tall world and that's okay. You find ways around it. But sometimes I feel sorry for myself. It's like, if only, if only I was, you know, a little taller, it would be easier. It'd be easier to find clothes that fit me. It would be, I wouldn't have to spend so much money getting pants, pants or dresses hemmed. You know, there's all that. And that's that little self pity world that we go into. But I had a hard time when I was diagnosed, avoiding the pit of self-pity. Feeling sorry for myself. You know, looking around my life going, and around my world going, this is going to end for me sooner than I want it to. And feeling, start looking around at the people around me. You get to still be with your kids. You still get to be with your husband. You still get to be with your wife. You still get to go out and live life. And I may not get to do that. And I'd fall in that pit. I would fall in that pit time and time again, especially in the beginning. And I still do. Where... I feel sorry for myself because of the situation that I have. That woe is me. I have to deal with this awful thing and you don't. So I feel bad for myself. And I would get jealous. I would look at other people and be like, you don't, you know, it would be so caustic. I'd be like, you don't even know how good you have it. And that's not fair. That's not fair for me to say that because I don't know what's going on in their world. I don't. So how is it okay for me and my self-pity to thrash out at other people saying, you know, not saying to them, but in my mind, being jealous when I don't know what's going on in their life? None of us, you know, we don't know that about other people. We always sometimes, I shouldn't say we, sometimes have the tendency to assume the worst instead of assuming the best. That's not okay. It's not okay. It's that phrase is, you know, humans see through the eyes, but God looks at the heart. And if God does that, why aren't we doing that? And why am I, I say, keep saying collective we, I should be saying, why am I? That's my struggle that may not be yours. Why am I not doing that? But back to that quote is it's so much harder to get out of the pit of self-pity than it is to say, say, stay a safe distance from it. And it's something I've worked really hard on. And it's so funny. I keep saying the pit. And in my mind, I keep thinking quicksand. Because when I was a kid, you know, that was the greatest fear. You're watching Scooby-Doo or whatever cartoon you're watching. It was avoid the quicksand. 
because it's that slow, painful, you're going to go down into whatever that pit is, and you're never coming out and you're going to suffocate. Like, I just remember every cartoon and everything we watched was like, that was the greatest fear is quicksand. I didn't even know if quicksand is a real thing, if it exists. I've heard of sinkholes, but not like quicksand, something that's just going to suck you in and then you're done. I mean, I just, I don't know why, but yes, that was the greatest fear in the 80s and 90s. So anyway, so I keep like, when I think of this self, my this pit of self-pity, I know where the pit is for me. I know when I really start thinking about the numbers associated with glioblastoma, that's my pit. And I'm sure as I'm saying this, I bet you're thinking in your head, yeah, I know where my pit is too. I know what my trigger is that sends me down that path that I don't want to be down. I start thinking the numbers. And then when I start thinking the numbers, I start thinking about my kids and my husband and what my family would do if I die soon. What would that look like? How would my boys, you know, how would they go on? How would they? And I mean, what would their lives be like? What would the pain be like that they would feel when I, when I passed? You know, that's how far down I go. And I, I, maybe I'm the only one that does that, but that's like, I will like completely spin. Like when I'm in the pit, I'm in the pit. I don't halfway do things. So if it's positive, I go way far positive. If it's negative, I go way far negative. But it's like, I almost can like feel that. I feel that what it, like I, put myself through the emotions that I would experience if that were to happen, you know? And then, but why, you know, why is death a negative thing? Why is it something we fear? You know, it shouldn't be. I mean, it shouldn't be because death is just another transition in life. It's a transition that we read about. And I think it's just the fear of the unknown. You know, we read about, I mean, you feel more love than you could ever imagine when you go to heaven. You're reunited with loved ones. You get to touch the face of Christ. You get, I mean, there is not anything negative about crossing over other than what this earthly world has continued, has, you know, condition us to think. Yes, we're leaving behind our loved ones for a short period of time. And I can only imagine that there is a window that you get to look out of and see what's going on and how excited you are waiting. It's like waiting in line for an amusement park ride to me. Like I love roller coasters. Now I'm a little bit limited now on what roller coasters I can ride after surgery, but I love them. And I love almost the anticipation of getting on the ride. There's one ride where I live at Knott's Berry Farm. It's called Accelerator. And it might, I think it's my favorite roller coaster I've ever ridden. You go from zero to like 70 in like 2.3 seconds. You shoot straight up a hill. You go over the top of this hairpin curve. Then you go straight down a hill and there's a giant 
like bank in there. I mean, it is, it's a really short ride, but my gosh, it is phenomenal. Like you are strapped in shoulder harness. You're in an old style. It looks like the, all the cars look like, um, 57 Chevys. And it's like, I can hear the beep, 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 gone. And you see the lights. It goes red, yellow, yellow, green. And then it shoots you like a cannon. It's so fun. And it's that anticipation, that that excitement of like you're waiting. It's going to go and it's going to be fast and it's going to be crazy and it's going to be amazing. And that great, that's, I feel like that's how we should feel about heaven and transitioning over from this earthly world to the heavenly realm is, I think we should have that excitement, not that dread of, oh my gosh, and the fear that goes along with it because it's something, the unknown, but it's not unknown. Because when we read the Bible, the Bible tells us all about what's waiting for us. You know, there is no pain. There is no suffering. You get your body back. The new and improved version, that, you know, that version that we strive for here on earth that we never can quite, I can never quite get rimple, get rid of the dimples on my thighs. I can never quite, you know, get rid of the stretch marks from having babies. You know, I can, you know, all these, all these scars that are on my body, which I don't know if I'd trade the scars. Scars to tell my story. Anyway, um, you get that new, you know, every day is a good hair day, which is, sorry, I know it's not, but it just makes me laugh to think of that. You know, it's just, we're fearing something that we have been conditioned by this earthly place to fear. But when we open the truth and open the Bible, it doesn't say to fear heaven. There is no fear there. There you can fear hell all you want. You know, you know, the steps you have to take to get there and the choices you make to get there. And the only choices, you know, accept Jesus Christ into your heart. No, you know, recognize him as your Lord and Savior. When you do that, you live that life. You live that Christly life. And we make mistakes, and that's fine. He forgives us when you ask for forgiveness. He loves us no matter what. But back to our pit. That self-pity pit. When you know what your trigger is, it's easier if you just avoid it altogether than if you just stand on the edge and jump in and then try to climb out. It's so much easier. You know, I, another one of my, my triggers is when I have an MRI coming up because I've been told over and over again that I would be dead by 15 months. I'm coming up on 23. But that those little fear mongers that come in, you were supposed to be dead. You weren't supposed to make it out of surgery. Your kids are not going to be there. You're not going to be there to raise your kids. Your husband's going to be a widow. 
Like all those things, those little fear mongers, I call them, come into your head, especially when I go in to get the MRI because the MRI tells me if the cancer's back, if the cancer has come someplace else in my brain. And it's so aggressive. I have to have it every eight weeks because if it shows up and you don't go every eight weeks, then it's going to kill you. Like this is, these are the things that you read about. Like when you read about my situation and you all have something in your life or you may have something in your life that's like that, that keeps coming back. That thing that, that anxiety And it may not be you that have your illness. It may be a parent. It may be a child. It may be a friend. You know, we've, the cancer is enough. The fear of cancer, even if you don't have cancer, but you're always getting tests to make sure that you don't have it. So it's that fear of going in for women. Sometimes it's that fear of just going in for a mammogram or, you know, a colonoscopy that are just routine. Then it's just to make sure you're okay. But it's that that C word, cancer, you know, it just, I, you know what I, and I, like I say, every time I come up on that MRI, I stand on the edge of the pit and I don't have to like, and I, sometimes I do a really good job and I actually like, I keep myself really busy. I just keep myself busy and I, you know, spend a lot of time in prayer And then I read a lot of devotionals and then I watch silly movies. I don't watch anything serious. I watch silly TV shows. I make sure, you know, do fun stuff with the kids. I work out. Like I just make sure those are my busy times because it keeps my mind elsewhere and it trains my mind to be elsewhere as opposed to looking down the pit going, okay, I'm going to just fall in. And sometimes it's easier just to surrender to the fear instead of surrendering to God. And surrendering to God has such a better outcome than going surrendering to the fear. It does. And I don't know why we do that. It's just, I think, you know, the world we live in, like I said, has conditioned us for telling us what, if I had a nickel for any time they said, this could happen. This may happen. This might happen. I'm so tired of like, I don't watch the news anymore, but every once in a while I'll turn it on and this, this could happen. This might happen. And that it all that is an injection of fear. It's that little shove closer to the pit. Someone's standing behind you, just shoving you just a little bit. This could happen. This is possible. And like we say over and over again, 100% chance we don't make it out of this place alive. And that's fine. I'm okay with that because after this place is an absolute glory beyond what we can comprehend. And all of these little things that we view as problems and things we need to be afraid of go away. Never to be a part of your spirit again. It's just, it seems, and I know talking about it's so easy. It's so easy to talk about it. Um, 
but to live it is very, it can be difficult because we fight. And remember, I say it over and over again, Charlie, that young man that was so wise in his very young years, we are spiritual beings trying to live as humans. It is, can be so difficult. It's that like being torn, you know, being pulled in two different directions. You know, I, I was going over some of my notes and one of the things is I, you know, that visual, you know, sometimes you just inch closer and closer to the pit and sometimes you just swan dive. You just say, forget it. I just, I need to like wallow for a while and that's okay. Sometimes it's okay that sometimes you just need to let it out, let all the self-pity out at once. But you know what? You The other big thing about the pit is you are going to fall in it sometimes. And if you do, accept the help that gets you out. If someone tosses you a rope, don't light the rope on fire. Accept the rope, accept the hands, accept the ladder that helps climb you out of that. Because even just one little bit of a positive thought can grow and flourish. You know, I, I know I've told the story of Carlos before. He was one of the phlebotomists and he was the one you don't need that told me, you know, you, you don't need a lot of faith. You only need the faith the size of a mustard seed. Because a mustard seed is the, the small, one of the smallest seeds in vegetation, yet grows to one of the biggest plants. And just that little bit of positive can grow when it's tended to. And there are people and there are things that are trying to reach you when you're in that pit. They're trying to help you out. And don't be proud. Don't let pride stand in the way. And accept it. Accept the help. We are put on this earth to help each other. We are. We're, we're put on this earth to help each other <clears throat> get through life. Not just get through it, but to live it. This isn't just a, all right, I'm going to stand around and do nothing and wait till it's my turn. No, live it. Life is a gift. It's a gift. And sometimes it's hard. But we aren't called to go on this path on our own. We're called to lift each other through it. And sometimes you're the one doing the lifting and sometimes you're the one getting lifted. And we're never alone because Christ walks with us. And we know that. Lean on your support system when you need it. Lean on prayers. And it will fill you with God's positivity, with his strength, and with his comfort, and with his love. I want to close out with, I have a few um, scriptures I want to close out with. And one is just to remember little things to remember. Matthew 28, 20 is I am with you 
always. Always. I laugh because when I teach my students, my math students, I have a couple of students that always say, well, Mrs. Vio, so is this how you always do it? I'm like, it's math. So sometimes it's very rare that I say, nope, this isn't the way, this isn't how you work this problem always. It always isn't going to be this way. But God is always. I am always with you. Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never forsake or abandon you. He never leaves your side. Never. He's there. Even if you can't feel him, even if you can't see him, he is there. And the last one is Romans 10.13. Everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Allow that to comfort you on through your day to day. Allow that to feel like a warm hug because that's what it, it did to me. It just, even as I was reading it, I was just like, gosh, it just feels so good to know that those are the promises. Those are the promises that have been made to us. Don't forget those. Thank you for listening. I'm Sarah Vioso, and I will see you at the next episode of Surviving Fear. Mm-hmm.